that good? All right. It's such a pleasure to be here, truly. And like Sherry, my dear friend, she's been there for me through it all, too. So thank you, Sherry. Thank you guys for having me. It's a privilege, a special privilege, really, to be here because how many of you know Greg Laurie? Well, I go way back because Greg Laurie, I knew Greg Laurie when he had hair. <laughs> he was actually my youth pastor at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And I was looking up uh, just while I was here, I wonder how many Calvary chapels there are now, because I believe I was at the first one with Chuck Smith, and back in the day when uh, the Maranatha music was coming out, I saw Keith Green, and some of you don't even know who that is now, but we were in the beginning of the Maranatha music and so forth, so wow, it's just like it's been a long time. But there are now over a thousand Calvary chapels worldwide. That's amazing. So I just thank you so much, and um, I come here from beautiful Coeur Idaho, where I live with my wonderful husband. We're going on 40 years of marriage, and I have uh, four grown children and six, uh, almost six uh, grandchildren. I have one on the way, baby girl on the way. So life is full, life is wonderful. Um, but I want to start out by saying that I'm, I'm really a complete health nut and have been forever, anybody that knows me. And sorry, I'm a little emotional, though I took a nap right before I came, isn't God good? And I'm also dressed in the attire, I didn't, didn't know. I mean, God knows that I care about fashion, so he threw that in for me, too. I've got my cowboy boots on. Um, but I'm a, a health crazy nut. My kids used to call me the food Nazi until I think I started crying because they hurt my feelings, so they don't say that anymore. But I am crazy about that. Just leave that on the sideline for a minute. You know where I'm going with that. Um, and that's a whole other story, and I have a lot to share about food and so forth, but not, not today. Um, so I was having pain down my right leg um, for really quite a long time, and um, I was seeing a chiropractor anyway because of my, I was having pain in my upper back. Um, and so about four or five months, just pain in my leg, and I was starting to pop Advil that went against everything I believed in because I didn't believe in taking medications and so forth. I always believed there's a root cause. Let's find out what it is and get that healed. Um, I wanted to have an MRI, and my, I saw like four different doctors, and they said, you know, no, Kathy, you're fine. Just get an inversion table. And we bought an inversion table, and it just got worse and worse. And finally, I had an MRI. And what they found was a tumor on my spine. Um, so, of course, I went right, had to go get uh, the CAT scans and so forth. Um, and when I went into the CAT, to get the CAT scan, which, of course, when you hear tumor, what do you think? Oh, my gosh. The worst news, you know, right off the get-go. I went in to get, my, get um, the information. I was getting wheeled in. And, the sweet little nurse there was taking all my information, and she said, you know, I go to your church, and I'm praying for you. And I'm like, okay. And then my friend who goes to my other Bible study is a radiologist, and she happened to be there, too. I'm wanting to say all this, keep in mind how God works. And I learned through this experience to watch out for details, <laughs> that he is everywhere, and he's trying to speak to us all the time. And I'm, I'm now living in that, which is what I've learned through this experience. Anyway, my radiologist friend was there, and she 
actually called my regular doctor and said, why aren't you doing these other tests while she's here? Duh. You know, the doctor sent you off and then you have to come back because they didn't do something, put another needle in your spine. So I was alleviated from doing that. She was there, but she was also brought comfort to me because I knew her as well. And she wasn't part of my, you know, deal, but she just happened to be there. And, um, and so that was comforting. So anyway, it came as a, quite a shock to find out they diagnosed me with stage four lung cancer. So here I am, a complete health nut, thought I did everything right, and I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. It had gone to my spine, was in my bones, was in my hip bone, started in my lung. Um, so I go to see um, my oncologist here, which they just gave me an oncologist. I'm just in a whirlwind. I don't, you know, just send me to somebody until I can figure out what to do. And uh, so what he says to me is, you're terminal. I'm like, hold on, hold on, what? You're terminal. Well, that's really nice of you to say. I mean, you know, is that all you got for me? That's it. And fortunately, we had brought a, um, a nurse advocate with us. And that is just somebody that gathers your information because you're not really hearing what, you know, a lot of times you bring a friend with you or something if you're getting a diagnosis, you want to make sure you've caught everything. After she left, I mean, after the doctor left, she looked at me, she goes, you are not a statistic. And you know what, that little bit of encouragement gave me a lot of hope just right there. And then I began to think, I am not a statistic. In fact, I'm a child of the living God. I'm the God who flung the stars in the universe, who knows me my, day, my name, by name, who knows every hair on my head, which was mentioned yesterday. I love that. There's a whole other story to that, too. But um, So in that point, too, I want to stress, we never know what little encouraging words can do. And I know all of you have had someone come up to you later to say, you know, when you said that to me a while ago, and you don't remember what you said. It's, it's, if you have something encouraging to say, let it speak it, give it life to somebody. Because that little word, you are not a statistic. She never thought another thing about that, I'm sure. But to me, it meant a lot that night. And I will forever remember that. Um, you never really know where your faith is. In, I mean, I always thought I knew where my faith was. But when you're hit with a diagnosis like that, like, sorry, you're going to die, like, real soon. I was really pleased to find that I couldn't get to Jesus fast enough. That just, I just knew, and, and even the thought of dying was like, you know, heaven is my eternal home, and I'm excited to go. I really am, but not quite yet. I've got grandbabies, and it's not my time. I'm too young to go. It's just not my time. Um, so you just, we just never know um, how we're going to react. But just like the, the woman in the Bible that was uh, bleeding, remember? She, all she knew was she just had to get to Jesus. That's all she had to do. And she was an outcast, but she got there however she got there. So that's how I felt. I just have to be with Jesus. I immersed myself with everything of Jesus. I wouldn't watch anything on the TV that wasn't 
um, you know, ministry and listening to praise and worship. And I just, I just did everything to, to spend time with the Lord in every way. Um, so after I got home, um, I was still having pain in my leg and I, I went to bed and I got up and um, turned on the TV because it would take a while for the pain meds to, to get going in my leg and I turned on the TV and one of the ministers that I listened to, I have like 40 of his recordings because I listened to him while I'm cleaning house and doing whatever and he was on and I turned it on and the first thing he said, he looked at me and goes, the name of Jesus is above your cancer. <laughs> I hope you're talking to me. Um, and then he went on to say, um, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under the wings you will find refuge. Well, right there, I took, I took that. I mean, I was desperate. I, took, I hung on to, God is talking to me. You know, you desperately want him to be talking to you, but I really think he was. I mean, it's just a crazy thing. Television, he used television to talk to me. So I went back to bed, and I got up a few hours later. Of course, I was restless. It was the first night of my diagnosis of being terminal. And I got up a few hours later, and again, it was on, I turned on the TV, it was on a different day, don't ask me how it got to a different day, but the pastor was still on Psalm 91, and that was the, song, that was the, the verse that I have clung to, and it's now my life verse. I wear a little, my daughter made us all a little feather. Um, it says, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. <sighs> Sorry. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know, in Psalm 46, 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And he was speaking to me loud and clear in a very present time of trouble. That was probably one of my darkest days. And he was very present. He was using whatever he could use to minister to me. So pay attention to these things. I have a lot of story that won't, I won't have time to go into. But he used things like that all the time that really blew me away completely. Um, let me say, before we go into battle, this is so important, especially for you that kind of play around with your Christian walk. You go to church. You don't really read your Bible. Um, the Lord tells us to put on the whole armor. I'm going to read that because it's such a, we know the verse, but um, we need to be prepared for battle. Don't we need to be prepared for battle? And part of that is having um, an army of friends, too, that will lift you up in prayer. Um, it's being prepared, being prepared for the battle. And trust me, we're all going to have a battle. We've all been through battle already, I know, for sure. And you younger people, there's battles coming. The Lord tells us that we will have when you have trial, when you have, you know, hard times. We need to be ready, don't we? 
it isn't the time to be, like, if I hadn't really been close to the Lord and been faced with this, I'd be scrambling. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have my circle of friends. I wouldn't have the people to go to that were going to lift me up, that were going to fight for me, that were going to be about in battle with me. And I was so covered, so lifted up, I can't tell you. Um, and I was looking. I wasn't going to use the scripture, but I kept looking at this um, sword. Why this, you know, this weekend, I kept looking and it really spoke to me. And, you know, we know the verse, but it's uh, Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I really believe all disease is from the enemy. All illness is from the enemy. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when, you may be able to stand your guard. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take in the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. Take up the shield, oh, I just said that, uh, of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, you probably know this too, but the sword is the only weapon of defense. The rest of it is, you know, putting on things of the Lord, the truth, you know. This is our, the word of God is our, our weapon. That's why it's so important for us to hide the word of God in our heart. And, and when we have to do battle, there's a time that we really have to do battle. And prayer is always part of this. That's why we pray for people. That's why we lift them up when they can't be lifted up, when they can't do it on their own is what I'm trying to say. And the shield, um, the sword, is the only defense weapon. I have the word of God to do battle. And battle I did, I tell you. So anyway, um, I knew I wasn't going to um, do conventional uh, medicine if I ever got cancer. Uh, especially with lung cancer in particular, chemotherapy does not really work. The doctor wanted to put me on chemo the very next day. They wanted to, I also had an MRI and they found that it was in my brain. I think I mentioned that. And so the radiologist wanted to radiate my brain and he said, well, you only have two spots, but and we could radiate those, but it's probably hiding other places, so why don't we just radiate your whole brain? My husband's like, how does that work? And the doctor actually said, we don't know. <laughs> okay, well, um, let me think about that. No, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, it's funny too, because the uh, nurse of my oncologist was someone that um, I had known we'd gone to uh, Israel together. She was a Christian as well. I'm, I'm telling you, everywhere I went, there was a nurse there that um, 
was a Christian that I knew. It was, it was really cool. Um, let me see where I'm at here. Um, I did go in for radiation on my back because um, the tum they said the tumor could paralyze me. Uh, also, I was in a lot of pain, and I called my doctor in Mexico, and he said, sure, it's fine. It was pinpointed radiation. Sometimes they radiate everything. You're locked in a room, and they just do. Um, anyway, so it was uh, pinpointed radiation, and after they found the tumor in my brain, too, that's when he said he'd like to radiate my brain. But the nurse said to me, um, you're going to go home and have a breakdown. And I said, well, I really don't feel like I'm going to have a breakdown. Honestly, I had a weird covering over me. I was stressed. Trust, uh, trust me, I was stressed. But I wasn't hysterical. And I was like, I should be hysterical. I'm just really not. I slept really well every night. And um, the nurse said, no, you're going to have a breakdown. I kept saying, I just don't feel it. I think I'm going to have a breakdown. Went home, slept like a baby. But I actually... Um, I actually did have a breakdown, and it was a few days later when I was looking at how the Lord had lavished on my life. I still cry when I think about it, so excuse me if I break down. But I sat there and I looked at my beautiful life and all that the Lord had lavished on me. And, um, you know, the Bible does tell us that, and I'm going to look that up in a minute, but... If you think about all the things that the Lord has given us in every way, I thought about my, my beautiful family, of course, is where we all begin, and the thought of never seeing my children again, my grandchildren again. I mean, you know, we yell at our kids when we're a young mother, but think about never ever getting to see them again and hold them again. It was just, that's where my grief came in. And, I looked at the Lord and I just said, I've been so selfish, Lord, and I've not thanked you. We get up every morning and the sun is shining and the birds are singing and we have so much that he lavishes on and he's an extravagant God. I mean, he didn't have to make, I call them little Johnny jump-ups or violas or something. You look at the little flowers, he didn't have to make the little sweet things that he does, the daffodils and the, oh, just creation to me is where I see the glory of God. And, I just think, oh, Lord, you have lavished on me. I live in a wonderful country. I have a warm bed. I have hot water. You know, it just goes on and on and on. So part of my um, thing that I would love for you guys to do is a little assignment. And trust me, it will change your life. It really will. If you, if you would go home and start making a list of what you could be thankful for, and I'm saying, like, um, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, you know the song. Um, because it is those little things. It isn't, we all know the family and, and so forth is what we're the most grateful for. But get down to the nitty-gritty. What, what would you miss if you could never see it again? A smile of a friend, a giggle of, of a child. Uh, you know, I, I think it would take you a long time to write down all the things. And, and just the array of food that God gives us. I think saying blessing every night wouldn't become such a ritual. It would be, Lord, gosh, thank you for this bounty. We never have to get bored, do we? Because he's given us endless, endless food. 
not the manna that was like every night. <laughs> we have an abundance of food to just really give thanks for, um, you know, this wonderful. Um, so I have a, one verse here from um, the message version that I love. Uh, it says, on your feet now, applaud God, bring a gift of laughter, sing yourself into his presence. So sing, sing into his presence, which I love to do. Um, know this, God is God and God, God. He made us, we didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. We talk about so much of the sheep this weekend. His well-tended sheep. He does take good care of us. I also love this. Enter with the password. Thank you. Isn't that sweet? It's from the message version. Just enter with the password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, taking, talking praise. Thank him, worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever. He is loyal, isn't he? So before leaving for beautiful Tijuana, Mexico, can you believe it? My friends were like, ah, you're going where? Tijuana is so close to San Diego, so they have a lot of alternative clinics in Tijuana. Um, but I had so many um, words of, um, you know, people were praying for me, but also words of um, healing and so forth. And, my associate pastor, well, I have, I have so many, I'm only going to tell you a few, but my associate pastor said, well, he was praying, sweetest guy, that he had a vision of me coming out like Lazarus. And a couple days later, I was talking to my daughter Stephanie, Sherry had called my daughter Stephanie and said the same thing, just confirmation. And listen to those things, you know. And I had strangers coming up to me and saying I was going to be a voice, that they thought that I was going to get through this and so forth. It was really, really crazy. Um, so I went in for my radiation treatments. I had to do that before I went from Mexico, of course. Um, and actually, the man in there, when I walked in to get my treatment, I recognized him from our church. <laughs> and he said, I don't normally do this, but can I pray for you? And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know? And uh, it was so sweet. Just. You know, and he prayed over me, and I sang praises while I was in the, you know, radiation thing. <laughs> Doesn't hurt at all to have radiation, so that part was like, well, that was that was pretty easy. So I left for Mexico a day after Christmas for three weeks of detox. It's what they do there. They are really big on building your immune system. Um, your immune system is what fights all your disease, and it's very important that we keep it strong, right? So. They do a lot of, I was there for three weeks, um, detox and vitamin C infusions and vitamin B infusions and laetrile and oxygen, ozone therapy and things you probably don't know about. But um, when we got there, of course, I was thinking it was going to be like a, kind of like a spa, you know? It was in Mexico near the ocean. It was a clinic. I mean, they had clinical looking beds and it was linoleum floors and... The infusion room, thankfully, was beautiful, but our little room wasn't so pretty, and I, it was so depressing to 
to leave. You know, can you imagine just going somewhere and it's like there's no beauty anywhere. And my husband's an artist and we, we have a gallery in town and I'm around beautiful things. It's really kind of depressing. And, um, and I just remember thinking, I just want my ordinary beautiful life back. I meant what I thought of when I said that. I want to be folding laundry. Can you believe that? Folding laundry and, and um, cooking in my, in my kitchen. I wanted my life back. And at that point, it, it just felt like I was never going to have that again. And so it was very depressing. We went out. We tried to find things to make the room look pretty. We couldn't find anything. My husband, bless his heart, and he's a professional artist, trust me, he made like 20 of these, that's all he could find, with little crayon, with crayons and little paper that he found. And I came back from one of my treatments and they were pasted all over the room. And I found a cheap little $2 plastic flower and I put it in my bathroom. I'm like, oh, you know, just, I mean, you just can't imagine what brings to light when you don't have it. You know, we can become so, I don't know what it is. I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to enjoy everything. Um, so being in Mexico, of course, you have people coming in from all over the world. You're, meeting, you're sequestered, so you're there. You don't, you know, you're living there. Uh, some other clinics you live, you can stay off site and whatnot, but here we stayed on site. So you got to meet people, wonderful people. It's a faith-based clinic is why I chose it, um, Oasis of Hope. Is called. They've been in business over 50 years. They also um, have great success with lung cancer. So lung cancer and faith-based. Okay, that's the one for me. Uh, with my family, my daughter flew in. Um, she wasn't going to come for Christmas. She and her family, but of course they came for Christmas. And um, they, we all decided after searching where I was going to go. And because of the faith-based, then and the longevity of them being a business and so forth, we, we chose uh, to go there. And so um, meeting people from all over, which is so wonderful because you just, just like here, you, you sit around people you normally don't get to meet or talk with or get to know. Um, you know how we are, at least I am. You're kind of like, oh, she kind of looks like somebody I would like, or she kind of looks like somebody I would like. And yet you find the dearest, sweetest people um, and so we prayed together, we cried together, we ate every meal together, we conversed about treatments, which was really cool, because they were there in alternative too. So we all, you know, what was, what's working for you? What worked for you? What, you know, what are you doing? Um, and then afterwards we would go, my husband and I would get out of the clinic, I'd have to get out for a little while, and we'd walk down to the beach. Well, Tijuana, um, it's really dirty, as I don't know if you guys know, have been to Tijuana, but they, there's trash everywhere and there's stray dogs everywhere. And, and so it's not really pretty as you're walking down to the beach. And I look over at San Diego, felt like Shangri-La was over there. And there was a, the border right there that you could see. And I kept thinking, I could just swim. I think I could make it. I don't know, just to get over there. You know, you just think, oh, again, I am so blessed to live in the United States of America, you know, and, and that should be on your list too. Thank you, Lord, that I live in a country. We have our problems, I know, but we are free and we have everything that, you know, anything that we want if we, you know, um, where am I at here? So. 
the doctors there are very, very, very um, religious. I don't want to use that word. It's not the right word. I don't like, really like that word. They are, um, they love the Lord. Let's put it that way. And the head oncologist there would say, you know, we, we can only do so much and you can only do so much. The rest is up to God. And, they, and he told me, pray when you're awake at night, when you're showering, when you're walking, when you're, you know, pray, pray, pray. And it's, I, I've got that one. I will do that. Um, but one night I got up in the middle of the night and I was, again, I was still taking, even though I had the radiation, I still had pain in my leg still taking the pain meds and I got up and I would pace until the pain meds would kick in. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't have enough faith. I don't think I have enough faith. And he said, child, it's not your faith, it's my faith. And you know what? That released me. You know, it's kind of like earning your salvation. I was gonna try to earn my healing and it just released me from, Lord, what, whatever. It, it, is, it is you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And so sometimes when we even try, I lived under trying to earn my salvation for many, many years. I, you know, just felt unworthy. And I still hear that amongst Christians. And, and even, I think I even heard it here while we were here, that they felt unworthy. And guess what? You are unworthy. But guess who made you worthy? And that's all that's said and done. That's it. And you have to believe again. You have to trust. God's word is true. Anytime I start going into this or that or whatever, the lies that Satan are trying to, is trying to tell me or, or confuse me or whatever, I have to go back to say, wait a minute, what does God's word say well, regardless of what I am feeling? I may feel unworthy, but guess what? God says I am. I'm his beloved child. Okay, I'd rather believe that. I'm going in with that. So for those of you that still struggle with feeling I'm not good enough, guess what? You're not. You never will be. You know, that's why someone, they come knocking on your door and they, those people that, oh, it's another story. I'm like, it's like, you know, you can't earn your salvation. What would you have to do to earn your salvation? For crying out loud, what would you have to do? There's no amount of thing you could do. Um, so his words are true, no matter how we're feeling, what we're thinking. He is faithful when I'm not faithful. Don't you love that? I can look back on, our, on my life, and I know you older. I don't see too many old, older as old as I am even out there. But as you grow and you look and you look back and you go, God, you have always been so faithful. And a lot of those were tears, too, when you think, God, you are faithful when I'm not faithful. And I love that about him, too. He never gives up. And that's what someone said, too. He, he, is never, he never gives up on you ever, 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 ever. Just like you would never give up on one of your children, would you? If they were wayward. You know, if you had a daughter or son or somebody went into prostitution or drug abuse or whatever and then finally came knocking on your door, would you say, no, I'm not letting you in? No, you'd go, you'd just like the prodigal, you'd go, oh my gosh, I've been praying for this. So he never gives up. He loves you beyond. Um, and really, it's all about him, isn't it? And that's what I learned, too, when I was, when I was you know, in my darkest moments. Um, you realize 
at least I did. God is my only hope. There is nowhere else to go. I had nowhere else to go. Where could I go? I mean, I kind of looked, well, I don't even have anywhere else even I think that I could go. You know, so why not walk with him along when things are really wonderful too, you know? It's, it's, it was really quite something. Um, and I also realized I wasn't afraid to die, which was a good thing. Um, like I said, I wasn't ready to go, but, you know, heaven is our eternal home. It's what we're supposed to be getting ready for right now. This is all preparation, and the preparation is trying to get as many of his children or his people that he loves, his children that he loves, to come along with, because that's the whole, whole purpose of everything, isn't it? None of this really matters at all. In fact, what I told the Lord in my, you know, look, Lord, I want another 30 years. That will make me 92 or so. I'm 62 right now. I want to be in my 90s when I go. That's only another 30-some-odd years. That's not very long compared to all of eternity. Could I please just have another 30 years? I want to go home. I do. I want to go home when it's my time, when I'm an elderly old woman and I can't wear cute little clothes anymore. <laughs> I'm still going to wear cute clothes, I tell you, even when I'm 90. And she'll attest to that. Um, I also had, um, besides my wonderful um, Christian believers, I had a lot of non-believer friends, and I do, I do have a lot, I have a lot of friends. I'm, I'm so thankful I have a lot of friends, especially in the gallery business, we're downtown, we know, you know, people in the community and so forth. We have people that say, hang in there, just hang in there. Like, okay, now what? What, what do I do now? You know, and I thought, uh, don't ever say that to somebody, ever. Because I could stand on my Christian friend's words. That I could stand on. But hang in there. I mean, I felt like I had, you know, lions waiting down there if I let go. And how long can I hang on? I can't hang on very long. Um, and I also had pe well-meaning people say things like, well, God brought this on you. Um, oh, gosh, I'm running out of time already. God brought this on you to teach you something. And I said, God does not break the lambs of his baby sheep. He does not break, did I say that right? Break the legs of his baby sheep. He doesn't. So don't let anybody tell you that too, and don't say anything like that. We have lessons to learn, yes. God is teaching me great lessons through this. He'll use things, definitely. Maybe he allows things. He's all in control of everything, but he does not bring on disease. Are we all in agreement on that? Um, so anyway, let's get to the good part because I only am running out of time already. Um, so I went back to get my scans in April. I was going to have another visit back to Mexico after three weeks. We have a, um, another follow-up. And I went to get my scans in the U.S. here, and my scans were virtually clear. And, yeah. Um, Unlike chemotherapy, where they, it goes away, you know, because they cut it out, they burn it out, whatever. I didn't have that. So it isn't like, you know, 
um, it's gone. And, but my doctor in Mexico, being a faith-based clinic, and the doctor, he said, you have experienced a miracle. They even did, uh, brought in a film crew to record the scans to see, you know, everything, and showed that, um, he goes, you have experienced a miracle, and you need to thank the one that gave it to you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I am thanking him, and will till the day, I, till 95 or whenever, I'm going to thank him till I'm 95. Um, oh, gosh, I have so much left here. Um, so my, these last few months, because this was just in November, now we're, we're in September. Um, I'm still following the regimen with the plant-based diet and so forth. I want to build my immune system because I still want to know why I got My immune system actually let me down somehow, you know, it wasn't strong enough. So I'm still, you see me bringing in food. Who's that crazy lady? Bring, bring in organic, Sherry, my dear friend, got all this organic stuff. So I'm eating organic and I'm staying away from sugar and that sort of thing that cancer feeds on. You know, Oswald Chambers says, um, we are not given an overcoming life, but life as we overcome. And so really the basis of um, our final results, see, we kind of act like we're going to live forever, too. Like we put death off somewhere far away, but the final end is what? We're going we're gonna to see Jesus face to face one way or the other, aren't we? We're, gonna, we're all going to die from this physical uh, we never know when that's going to be. I mean, we know of people that are getting car crashes tomorrow, and they were thinking about doing their homework or something, you know. Just, you just never know. So really, it is about preparing. It's, it is preparing um, and, and getting so close to the Lord that it doesn't matter either way if you live or die. You know, really, it should be, yes, we hang on to this earth because it's really all we know, but um, the Lord is so faithful and... He does talk. He uses us. I mean, we've all experienced this this weekend, haven't we? Someone you'll be sitting next to will say, oh, I can't believe you're sitting next to me, or you know, you're saying just what I needed to hear, or all the encouragement, these, you know, as women of faith, that we hug each other. I mean, I was greeted, no one knows me, but he greeted with hugs, and I mean, nowhere else would you get that, you know, only here because we're sisters. We are a family. We stand by each other, we fight for each other, we do battle with each other. And I just want to, I want to be a person of encouragement to let you know that God is the God of miracles. And there's nothing too big or too small. I don't care if it's a broken marriage, it doesn't have to be cancer for crying out loud. A broken marriage, a wayward child, the list goes on and on and on. Whatever your personal experience is, the point is, is that you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to be surrounded with, you have to do battle. You know, you have to do battle. Um, without it, you see where things fall apart. I, as a pastor's wife, you see marriages fall apart. And you're like, why didn't you guys just do what the Lord told, told you to do? You know, you want to be right. You want to be right. And now you're not right at all, you know. If we would just obey and let God do his work and let God do his healing and let him do the time it takes to do some of these things. Um, so I really don't know what tomorrow brings for me. I really don't, and it's okay. Um, I have one other verse I want to share because we want, and I left out a lot, but 
maybe I can come back in a couple years and finish off what I want to do. And I love the message. I just use it as just, I just think it's fun. So here's what the Lord wants. You think, well, how do I walk with the Lord? Some of you that are baby Christians, this is uh, Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize that he wants from you what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And the last thing I want to say really to my oncologist is I'm not terminal, I'm eternal. So thank you for the privilege of being here. Okay, one other thing we're going to do is if any of you need prayer,